Welcome to the Matt Morgan Coaching Podcast. The fact that you're listening means you're ready to be inspired and empowered to take your life, love, and leadership to the next level. Hello, my friends. It's Matt Morgan. Welcome back to a brand new podcast. And today we're focusing on type one of the Enneagram. And I have a special guest and my good friend with me, Tyler Reagan. Tyler, thanks for joining us, man. Thanks for having me. So Tyler and I, we actually met, we were neighbors several years ago. And it was like July, I think. And we were just crossing paths. I was walking my dog. And all of a sudden, you and your wife, these two young 20-somethings, move into the neighborhood. And we hit it off right away. And so Tyler works for Hensel Phelps, big time construction company. What's your role there? I'm a development manager. Development manager. So pretty good role for a one. Yeah, I'd say it is a good role for a one. That's awesome. So the one, just so you know, and if those of you who are like, I haven't yet taken the test, you can go on to Google and type in Enneagram free quiz. And so you can go ahead and take that for free. And so what we're going to look at with the one is that the one is called the perfectionist. I love ones. They are ethical. They are dedicated. They are reliable. And their core motivation is a desire to live the right way. (laughs) All right. So with that perspective of right and wrong, things are kind of black and white sometimes. And so their motivation is to improve the world and to avoid fault and blame. Remember, when you're going through the Enneagram and you're trying to figure out your type, that's the question to ask why you do what you do, because that's more interesting than what. However, there are some what? There's some behaviors that we can see, some tendencies, if you will, around a one. And I want to read these out to you, Tyler, and just tell me when I'm done, what percentage of these you think resonate with you. So here they are. Type one, people have told me that I can be overly judgmental and critical. I beat myself up when I make mistakes. I don't feel comfortable when I try to relax. There's too much to be done. I don't like it when people ignore or break the rules. Like when the person in the express lane at the grocery store has more items than allowed. (laughs) Details are really important to me. I often find that I'm comparing myself to others. If I say I'll do it, I'll do it. It's hard for me to let go of resentment. I think it's my responsibility to leave the world better than I found it. I have a lot of self-discipline. I try to be careful and thoughtful about how I spend money. It seems to be that things are either right or wrong. I spend a lot of time on how I can be a better person. Forgiveness is hard for me. I notice immediately when things are wrong or out of place. I worry a lot. I'm really disappointed when other people don't do their part. I like routine and don't readily embrace change. I do my best when working on a project and I wish others would do the same so I wouldn't have to redo their work. I often feel like I try harder than others to do things correctly. Okay, so that's kind of the tendencies or types around a one. When you hear that, Tyler, I'm curious, what percentage of that resonates with you? I would say about 90% of it. You know, the things that I really dialed into when you started saying those were number one, being the critic of myself. You know, I'm my biggest critic and I'm always pretty hard on myself, sometimes to the point where my wife's like, just get over it, right? And then I think the other piece for me is details, like, 
getting into the details, understanding of the details, being able to coordinate things based on details. Those are things that have always been important to me. In what specific way are details important to you? Like, how does that manifest for you? Like, is it details at home? Is it details at work? Is it everything? You know, to a certain degree, it's a little bit of everything. Like, I'm the type of person that I feel like when I walk in my house, I can tell if something's not right. What I mean by right is, you know, hey, that wasn't there when I left. Little things will stick out to me. And at work, it's similar to being in the construction business. You know, our goals deliver the highest quality project. And you get into certain phases of the project where you're really dialing into details and the quality of work. And you can walk into a room or a space and just start to pick things apart. To be honest, it was really hard to buy my first house because I would walk into all these houses with my realtor and be like, nope, don't like that. Nope, nope, that detail. I'm not going to live in a house that's got that. It's kind of funny. This stuff all kind of comes together. As a one, do you feel like you ever get lost in the details where you actually become so focused on a particular detail, but it's not the ultimate? And so you make maybe what's immediate ultimate. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think if I get too deep into the details, I can really get bogged down and waste time. I think, you know, someone I really look up to is Stephen Furtick, and he had this analogy of perfectionism is the enemy of profitability. And so being able to align those two roads is really important. Hmm. And I do catch myself sometimes getting too down in the details. Hmm. So when you think about your core motivation, and when it talked about a one's core motivation of being that of someone who has a desire to live the right way and to prove the world and to avoid fault and blame, how does that resonate with you? I mean, I would say it's spot on. Something that's very important to me is continuing to grow and become better. If it's training or spending time reading, whatever it is, I always want to continue to grow and pour into myself to become better. Being valued is important to me, making sure that if I'm a part of something, I want to make sure I'm making a difference and valuable to the team. If I don't feel that way, it's definitely not very motivating. So with you as a one, when in terms to making decisions, you talked about like the house, like going into a house. And yeah. would you say that you make decisions quickly or you're more methodical? I would say I'm definitely more methodical. Totally. Ones want to make sure that everything's right. And so in order to do right, you need to make sure that you're analyzing all the data, the facts. You need to make sure everything's right. Yeah. And you can paralyze yourself if you analyze things too much. So. <laughs> Paralysis by analysis, yeah, right? Yeah, there you go. For sure. So two weeks ago, we started with the eight and then we hit the nine. And now this is the last one of the anger or gut triad. And if you remember from the introduction, you guys, if you've been going through this podcast series, there are triads around the nine types. And so the eight, the nine, in the one hit the anger or gut triad. Like you actually feel things bodily, somatically deeper than the other types. And so they take on life instinctively at a gut level. And so we talked about how the eight externalizes anger when they're mad, brah, you know, but a nine forgets it and a one internalizes it. It's like just under the layer, it like manifests itself in smoldering resentment. Do you ever think about yourself as like, man, am I angry? Like, I mean, you're a very healthy one, I would say. But how does that resonate with you? Yeah, I definitely internalize things. And when my wife hears this podcast at this moment, she's going to be laughing because <laughs> she calls me a stuffer. She's like, I can tell something's bothering you. Get it out. And it's just like, no, you know what, whatever. So I definitely stuff things. And there does become a point where things kind of overflow and you start to express those frustrations. I mean, I wouldn't say I'm the type of person that just comes off the handle, but you know, I do get frustrated and irritated with things. Yeah. And that's gotten better with age for sure. <laughs> <laughs> 
Better how so? I would say when I was younger, I think my temper would show a little bit more than it does now for sure. Yeah, you've matured and grown into that. That's why I even talk about when you take the Enneagram test for the very first time, do so from the perspective of your early 20s because you're way more into that type. We're less mature in that way. But that's really interesting anger. If you've been a client of mine or you're a customer through the online coaching experience, you know and you've experienced right now, you should be thinking, okay, anger means what? Anger means that there's expectation. An expectation is our lens of how we see life, which means expectations are tied around justice. Like there's desire and then there's expectation. Like desire is what you want, but if you don't get it, you feel bummed, sad, disappointed. But expectation is like what ought to be, right? Anytime you ever say the word ought or should, I know I should do more of that. It's like there's this expectation hanging over you. And so when you have an unmet desire, the emotion is disappointment or bum. And all my clients know this, but anytime you have an expectation that is not met, there is one emotion that comes over and it's anger (laughs) or it's cousin frustration, right? It's not quite anger. So that makes sense for a one because there's a right way and there's a wrong way. And we have a lens and a grid by which we view our world and our expectations are tied to justice. They're tied to what is right and what is wrong. So it makes sense logically that anger, smoldering anger, and it probably is hard to you that it's smoldering anger because you know what's right, especially as a one, is to not go off the handle, is to not be a crazy person. And so sometimes, do you ever beat yourself up when you're angry emotionally? Oh, yeah. Because for me, I feel like, and this is probably true for any type of relationship, personal, professional, you know, whatever it is, but I feel like most of the time conflict arises as a result of an unmet expectation, right? And for me, when that type of stuff happens, I'll usually beat myself up about it a little bit because I could have communicated something better. And as a person that internalizes a lot of things, sometimes you think you've communicated what's going on in your head, but you haven't. So when that conflict arises, it's like, dang it, you know, I could have communicated something better and set the stage better for this. Wow. Yeah. Well, you know, we've talked about this and I want to unpack this for just a moment. There are healthy, average, and unhealthy types within each number. And if you remember, that's not just like, oh, you're either healthy or you're not. (laughs) It's like in this moment, I could be healthy and then we could swing to another pendulum with a different topic in the same day and suddenly I could become unhealthy. And Tyler, again, I think you're a very healthy one, but here's what a healthy one looks like. They are people who are committed to a life of service and integrity. And bro, I mean, that is you through and through. Integrity, doing things right, through and through. Back in the day, we served at a church together at the same time. And I remember you were the guy who was in charge of the first impressions that people would have when they walked through the door. And I remember we actually had you, when we had a big leader meeting, teach all the other leaders because you had like a 28-page document of like every detail lined up so that every new person who was going to come in and serve would know how to set things up strategically. Like you set the bar. of making sure that if it was going to be done, it was going to be done right and well. And that was you through and through. And it was like, you were not going to cut corners. I'm a three. And so threes are like, oh, it's good enough. <laughs> threes are totally like, oh, it's fine. And you just like, nope, I'm going to make sure that everything is set up. You love to serve. And like, that is totally you. I'm sure you're still serving now or you even think about that kind of stuff now. How would you say that your integrity expresses itself right now? I would say just if I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it and I'm going to do it the right way. That's important to me. You just ran a marathon not too long ago. Yeah. It's like if I'm going to do it right, I'm going to train right. 
Yeah, I mean, set my goal and figured out kind of how to get there because the funny little secret is I don't like running. <laughs> but running is like one of my outlets, right? So That's really cool. So healthy ones, they're balanced, they're responsible, they're able to forgive themselves and others for being imperfect. And they're principled people, but they're patient with the process that slowly but surely makes the world a better place. So that's a healthy one. Average ones are pretty quick to judge. They're quick to judge areas that have imperfections. They struggle to accept that imperfection is inevitable while fearing the tyranny of that critical voice in their own head. And then unhealthy ones are hyper-focused on imperfections and they micromanage whatever they can. And then they end up asserting control over something or someone if there's no relief. And so again, there's unhealthy or healthy states. Let me ask you this. What do you love about being a one? Like what's the superpower of a one that you think is awesome you know i think what i like about being a one or love about being a one is the ability to deliver something so if i say i'm going to do something i'm going to do it and you know i'm going to do it to the best of my abilities and i kind of like when i work with a one that's also you know something that i enjoy because i feel like i'm working with a one they're going to do something and they're going to commit to something and they're going to see it through right oh my gosh yeah their yes is yes yeah and their no is no and there's no questioning right but that doesn't mean a two through a nine can't deliver it's just a different way yeah. It, so. Well, it's your superpower. You really are going to make sure that the details, you know, the devil's in the details. And, you know, some people are like, oh, it's good enough. That's my number. And I love that about a one. I love that you are trustworthy among other types within relationships. They're like, oh, okay, if there is a task to get done, we can trust you. I mean, even showing up for this podcast, setting up a schedule, it was like, I had no question that you are going to show up whatsoever. My sevens, I gotta make sure I gotta remind them, hey, are you still gonna come? Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, we're gonna do that. You know, totally, yeah, let's do that. So you are planned out, you know, through and through. And I think that's what's beautiful. What part of a one for you would you say is a growth area for you? If there's one area that you're wanting to get stronger in within a one, what would it be? I would say patience. I've always, and you could ask my parents the same thing, I lack patience. Having a two and a half year old has developed patience significantly, so I've gotten better. But I need to become more patient with the process, with the process at work, with the process of developing relationships, with the process of raising a child, developing patience and seeing that process kind of work its way through to an end result. So. Yeah, for sure. I remember you talked about a couple of years ago, we were driving home from an event and your first thing within a relationship with Ellie, you were laughing of like, the first thing you notice is yogurt <laughs> smeared across the cabinets. And that's kind of the propensity for a one is to see the problem of that. And a lot of people who are in a relationship with one can think, oh, is he always being negative? Ones want to communicate to the rest of the world. We're not trying to be negative. What are you trying to do? What's the goal? To get something right. Yeah. You know, that's the goal. And, you know, the funny side of this, and we're probably going to go there at some point in this conversation, is my wife is a seven through and through. And if you really kind of study this thing more, that's my, like, perfect balance, right? That's where I go when I'm seeking relief or enjoyment or something like that. Yeah, so you're talking about how like a one, they have two different numbers that they can go to, one in stress yeah. and one in security. And the seven is where you go to when you're secure. Yep. And the funny thing is it's a lot of opposites of what the tendencies of a one are. 
So the seven is the enthusiast. They're easygoing. They're laid back. They love to have fun. They enjoy. And your wife being a seven, (laughs) she is like your respite. She's like your place to unwind and just like totally relax. Absolutely. That's really cool. So as a one in your stress response, you go to what's called a four and one pack of four more in a couple of weeks as well. The four is the romantic or the individualist. And so they can sometimes be hard on themselves. They can be distant from others. They can think that the world doesn't get them. And so a one combination with a four when you're in stress can make you even more critical in ways. Any ideas? And I know you're still kind of new to this yourself, but any ways that you see your stress response come out the four or maybe your wing like in a nine or something like that yeah i would say you know possibly through procrastination i think that's a characteristic of a nine yes procrastination is yeah for sure that's a thing that a nine will struggle with so you know (laughs) for sure you know if there's something that is really not motivating to me i may want to like kick it down the road kick it down the road but obviously at some point i gotta squash it so I can see that a little bit. So one of the things we talk through within each type is that you're bigger than your number, right? Like your number is the mask we wear. I think Ian Cron once said is your personality shows up when you don't. (laughs) So the mask is something that we learn as children. When you think about going back as a child, how early on can you remember tendencies of your one coming out? Any examples of that? (laughs) So this is kind of a weird fact, but I've always been a shoe person, right? Love shoes. Air Jordans? Yes. Through and through, baby. Come on. That's why we're friends. My closet would probably make people sick because I don't wear tennis shoes that much anymore to work or anything like that. But I have all these new shoes in my closet. Thanks to my uncle, I think he instilled that in me when I was young. But it was always important for me to have a clean pair of shoes on that were just spot on. So, I don't know. That's a little example. you got to be perfect. Yeah. I mean, I can tell you, as a kid, I was not the kid with a clean room. I'm not sure any kid that really is, but, you know, I think that developed over time, so... Did it come out in school at all? Like I had to make sure that I do all of my homework and I never had to skip anything or say it was enough or did it not manifest in that way? I don't know if it really manifested in that way. I mean, I was a good student. I got my stuff done, but I wasn't like, you know, right when I walked in the door of my house, I'm starting homework. Usually like walked right into the house and powering up the Xbox or something like that as a kid. So (laughs) I think that came with time. How do you see your one manifest itself at work? I would say just getting into the details of the things I do day to day and something that's important for me and my job is trying to provide structure on a project or for a team to simplify the complex, if that makes sense. So there's all these different parts and pieces moving around and it's important for me to try to figure out how to simplify the complex to communicate to if it's an owner, if it's team members, you know, maybe an issue that is hard to describe being able to simplify it and dumb it down. Is that yeah, makes well, sense? what a gift, right? You have the ability to look at all the details and the parts and then to actually simplify them so that everybody can understand. That is a gift of a one. Ones are great engineers. They're very good problem solvers. They're people who understand details. CPAs, you know, all that kind of stuff are great ones. A lot of doctors are ones. A lot of pilots 
R1s. And so you want your pilots to be a one. Yeah, you definitely (laughs) want them to be a one. So huge stuff. You want to make sure that they're having those elements. So it's really cool if you're thinking or if you're young and you're listening to this podcast and you're like, huh, I'm wondering about career and I might be a one. Well, enjoy the details and get jobs that you can excel in doing things right and properly because, oh my gosh, that is a huge need because you see it without even question, but the rest of the world doesn't. (laughs) And so that is a gift that you have for sure. And then the shadow side, we talked about anger being the shadow side of the one. And if you're listening and you're like, man, I'm really struggling with that smoldering resentment. I think it's really crucial for you to learn how to communicate. Whether that's, you know, signing up for the coaching stuff that I have online of learning how to communicate or practicing that with a partner is really, really important so that you can not stuff (laughs) and be able to be healthy long term because stuffing looks good on the surface, but one day you'll trip over a leaf and it'll all come out (laughs) and it's not going to be pretty. So that's some good advice for a one. So Tyler, as we close out, is there anything else as a one that you want to share that you think would be helpful for maybe other ones to know? or for other people who are married or in relationship to a one that you would want them to know? You know, I think the only thing I would say is I think it's really important to surround yourself with key people, right? I think there's an analogy that you're like the five closest people to you, right? Or that's the direction you may be going. Yeah. So having the balance, you know, if if I'm a one, I need to have some balance in my life. And I've been really fortunate to have a wife that's a seven, and she does that, man. She creates balance in my life, and that household helps me not take life too seriously when without her, life is serious. I am my own self-critic. I don't always step back to see the big picture. You know, so creating balance and surrounding yourself by people that help balance you. That is a good word. Not being too serious and too critical on yourself. That's awesome. Good deal. Well, Tyler Reagan, thank you so much for being on this podcast with me, brother. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And for the rest of us, thanks for joining us for this week's podcast. And next week, we begin the next triad, which is the heart or feeling triad. We're going to learn all about the twos. Cheers for now. Thanks for listening to the Matt Morgan Coaching Podcast. Subscribe below, share it with your friends, and if you want to take your life, love, or leadership to the next level, check us out online at mattmorgan.com.